Our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel of John chapter 19. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself. He went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them in four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for, to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided, they divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that's what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was fin now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that you would allow these words to come. To point to the word just read and the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. During the Lenten season, we often speak of the last seven words of Christ from the cross. And this Easter season, this Lenten season, we have been talking about those last seven words, but it's a combination, as we've found out, of all four Gospels. And today we're finishing this brief series in the Gospel of John. We've been taking each of these four brief accounts of Jesus' death straight on, neat, not mixed, not combined with any other Gospel, just Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. And it's not, not the last seven words of Christ from the cross that any one gospel writer writes of. Each writer takes a different look at these words. In John, as in Luke, there are only three last words of Christ from the cross. But there are three entirely different last words of Christ than in the gospel of Luke. John either doesn't know them or he chooses not to mention them. In John, as Jesus is breathing his last, he says, woman, here is your son, and then to the disciple, here is your mother. He says, I thirst. And then finally and triumphantly, he cries out, it is finished. Let's start with woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. The last thing that Jesus does before the end is he begins to create the church. This is the beginning of the Christian church. There at the foot of the cross 
are his weeping mother and his heartbroken friend. And notice that John never names either of them. It's Jesus' mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved. If John had been the only gospel that we had, we would never know the names of the two of them. It's from the other gospels that we know that her name is Mary. And Mary only appears twice in the gospel of John. She appears at Cana in Calvary and, and at Calvary. And in both places, Jesus addresses her almost rudely saying, woman, woman, what has this wineless wedding to do with me? And here, woman, here is your son. And as for the disciple whom Jesus loved, it might have been John, but that's just an educated guess. Jesus doesn't address him by name either, just here is your mother. But this is the beginning of the Christian church. The church is formed at the foot of the cross. It's the last thing that Jesus does. He puts two anonymous strangers into each other's arms. He's leaving. He's dying. He's not going to be around much longer, and he knows that we're going to need each other. Strangers that we always are. And the church is the place where Jesus is forming a family out of strangers, because that's what we are. Sure, sometimes generations go to the church and it seems that we are all blood-related. Sometimes there are also marriages among people in the church, creating blood relatives. But there are others also and we are put together. And when we do it well, that is where the church is at its best. Maybe that's the most important lesson right now of all. It has been heartwarming as I've called people and heard about how others from church and neighbors are calling each other and checking in with each other. It's what the church is supposed to be. Notice that Jesus doesn't ask their opinion or their permission. That verb here in other translations is behold. It's in the imperative mood. In other words, mother, friend, look at your new family. Take responsibility for each other. Mary and John barely know each other. They met once at a wedding in Cana, but they don't really know each other. What if they didn't want each other? What if John didn't want this obligation to care for a stranger? What if Mary is the ancient equivalent of a helicopter parent, one who wanted so badly that her son succeed and nothing would stand in her way? It has to be the case, right? And what if John is every bit the fisherman? tough and rugged, leathered skin from spending his life on the water, a vocabulary that might make you blush. We're told that he is a bit anti-establishment and he gives his undying devotion to this revolutionary called Jesus, who now hangs on a cross. And given the fact that John is there at the foot of the cross, refusing to abandon this person who is convicted of treason against the empire, that has to be the case, right? And Jesus throws them into each other's arms at the foot of the cross. He throws two anonymous strangers into each other's arms. And for 2,000 years, the church has been the place where God is forming a family out of strangers. Jesus meant it to be a safe place, a place where we bandage each other's wounds and show patience with each other's idiosyncrasies. It's a place where we put together each other's shattered hearts. And sure, it doesn't always seem like a safe place. 
The church is made out of human beings. It's all that God had to make the church out of. And human beings are, well, human. You know, Mahatma Gandhi's famous remark, he admired Jesus so much. And he once said, I might have been a Christian had it not been for the Christians. You know, sometimes we do get focused on ourselves too much, even in the church, that we don't even see those around us. There's one Easter Sunday where the sanctuary was packed in like Presbyterian sardines, and in the back row, there was a guy sprawled out like he was watching a football game on his living room couch. He was taking three seats all by himself, and when the ushers tried to get him to sit up, he didn't respond. And so the ushers didn't know what to do. He looked a little bit shady. And so they called the senior pastor and said, sir. And the senior pastor says, sir, you have to sit up. We need the space. And still the guy didn't budge. And so the preacher called the police. And the cops didn't come in and they start poking him. All right, buddy, what's your name? My name is Sam. Where are you from, Sam? He said, the balcony. You're supposed to laugh at that, guys. You know, sometimes we can be in the church and nobody notices us. Come on, I, got, I need a little bit of feedback here. Um, we are all just human beings, the collection of the lame, the clumsy, the stubborn, sometimes clueless. And sometimes it doesn't mean, seem like all that much, but we're all we've got. And so the church needs to be a safe place, a place where wounds can heal and losses are restored and sorrows end. And hopefully the walls ring with laughter. A number of years ago, Martin Scorsese made a film called The Departed. And Jack Nicholson speaks the first words in that film. And he says, years ago, we had the church, which is another way of saying we have each other. So hanging on that Roman cross by the tendons of his hands and feet, Jesus attends first to the needs of his family and friends. And then he turns to his own. And he says, I'm thirsty. You know, John can sometimes ramble, but every now and then he can hammer his point home. It is John who gives us the shortest verse in all of scripture. He says, Jesus wept. And he's also the one who tells us that Jesus said, I'm thirsty. We should never forget this. Hard as we might try, we should never forget those words. Do you know how profound that those words are, that this creator of all the universes, John tells us that he was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. This is the one who at the very beginning, when there was nothing on earth but barrenness, this is the one who at the beginning of life itself causes a river to flow out of Eden until flowering, fruitful gardens began to appear. This is the imagination beyond, behind the billows of Lake Superior in the depths of the Pacific, the thunder of Victoria Falls, the fertile crescent of the Euphrates, the delta of the Nile, the rainforest of the Amazon, the Grand Canyon rapids of the Colorado. Do you hear it? That the one who created all of this the one who is behind the spinning blue sphere, blue because it is 70% water, the agency behind all of this is dying of thirst. 
That is how far that love traveled. That is how far that Jesus went to show us how much that God cared. And finally, after attending to the needs of his family and friends and his own, he cries out victoriously, it is finished. Or maybe better yet, it is accomplished. It's done. I've come to the end. Again, the terseness of John, it is finished. We'll never forget. You know, there's a wonderful double meaning to the word, the end. End can mean it is finished, it's over, it's done. End can mean the final curtain, the blare of the basketball buzzer at Madison Square Garden, the third strike of the third out in the bottom of the ninth. That's all, folks, ain't no more. But end can also mean it's accomplished, it's achieved, it's complete. It's victory. The end is a finish, the conclusion, but the end is also the goal, the objective, the purpose of the whole thing. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of humankind? Not what is the chief conclusion of humankind, but what is the chief point of humankind? What is the chief purpose of humankind? What is the chief objective of humankind? And the answer is the chief end of humankind is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. And so with his last shallow breath on the cross, Jesus is not saying it's over, I'm dying, the suffering is ended, I'm out of here. But rather mission accomplished. The world is one. The human race is redeemed. Jesus is saying from beyond the walls of this world, I've crossed time and space, put on human flesh and bone was born of a woman, and I worked at my earth, earthly father's carpentry shop. He made the lame walk and the blind see and welcomed the least and the last and the lost and the lonely, and he brought them into a loving embrace. He turned common well water into rich red wine and a little boy's lunch into a banquet for 5,000. He made common fishermen into bold heroes. He endured the betrayal of his trusted companion, Judas, and the denial of his friend Peter. He saw all of his other friends run, and the vicious accusations of his enemies, and the abandonment ultimately by his loving Heavenly Father. And he says, I have won. I am victorious. I've ransomed the human race. I've repaired the crack in the cosmos. I've spanned the chasm between humanity and divinity. I taught him how to live and I taught him how to die and this is what I came to do and it is done. One word, finished, accomplished, completed, the end, redeemed. Amen.